Hello, everybody. My name is David Hart. I'm the author of the Traveling Servant blog and the co-host of the Traveling Servant podcast, a podcast during which I discuss scripture, culture, and what it means to be a follower of Jesus with my close friends, Catherine Morehouse and Harris Albritton. Last time on the podcast, we talked about the leadership of the Spirit, uh, what that looks like in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and what that should look like in our lives today, um, and just sort of applying it to a whole bunch of different aspects of the Christian life. Uh, um, And we realized after recording that episode that there were actually just a lot of things that we didn't get to talk about that we wanted to talk about. And there were also some things that we briefly talked about that we wanted to take more time to delve deeper into and uh, explain and sort of analyze. So this is our third episode. Um, We're just going to call it The Leadership of the Spirit Part 2. And we hope you enjoy. I think the first thing, like, section that we wanted to start talking about was expanding on new revelation. Uh, Last time on the podcast, we talked about how the idea that there is no new revelation isn't scriptural. It's not true. It's not good teaching. Um, But we also just kind of left it there, and we wanted to take more time to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Harry or Catherine, you just want to... Take it away. Go for it. That's all you. That's all me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so interesting. I was looking this up as to where the phrase no new revelation came from, and it was from Calvin, and he was specifically addressing the Roman Catholic Church um, and the abuses of, you know, the things that they were doing, um, you know, and saying that it was from the Lord, but it actually wasn't. So it was part of the Reformation and the idea that, like, getting back to the scriptures and getting back to what um, what God had said and kind of just backtracking a little bit of the false doctrine that was being um, perpetuated, perpetuated yeah. Yeah, in, in, and abused in the Roman Catholic um, Church at the time. So... For me, it helped a lot to understand that that was the cultural context of that phrase um, because it was actually not necessarily talking about anything, you know, with with prophecy or with, you know, a message from the Lord or living in the spirit. Mm. It was having to do with um, with additional doctrines that had been brought into church practice. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, um, I think it's. uh, most of the time when people hear of a quote unquote new revelation or or hear people talking in a way that makes them feel like oh that's not you know in in the bible um i think in those moments we can fall into a lot of a lot of us get trapped into the a biblicist thinking instead of a biblical way of thinking because if we're really truly going to god in prayer and finding christ in the scriptures then our minds are being shaped mm-hmm. by scripture. And it, it, it is not like the scriptures are not meant to be a manual <laughs> for mm-hmm. how to like do everything in life or with specific instructions specifically addressed to you for every specific problem or issue you face. Like it's meant, it's meant to, like Paul says, you know, it's meant to 
to train and rebuke and to build you up and to give you all the instruction you need to live a life of godliness so that you can yeah. like live in godliness and hear from the Lord. And so the, yeah, otherwise it would just be law. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, um, David wrote in this note that, um, it's a, it is like going back to, you know, the treating it as the letter instead of the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus yeah. came and showed us the spirit of the law, which is to love God and to love others. And, um, yeah, it, it can, we can go back to inadvertently with, you know, maybe good intentions go back to, well, it doesn't say it here. It's yeah. like, well, it also doesn't say that you can use English in your church services and it doesn't say that you can <laughs> like use a guitar or a piano or, yeah. but, it, but we know that all three of those things are good and free for us to use like as, as worship to God and to communicate with him. And so it's like being, beginning to ask God to renew our minds in the scriptures so that we can see as he sees, not so that we can like analyze grammatical you know, structures in, in our English Bibles or something. Yeah. We're pretty sure based on scripture and experience that God can speak whenever he wants (laughs) and he didn't just shut up like after, you know, after a certain point in time, like he's still a person, you know, and we kind of almost like depersonize God, you know, when we, we treat it like Harry, something you said that I really liked too is like, and you already said this right now too, but like the Bible is not just like a, a codex for us to like refer. It's not like a reference book. Like it's a living, breathing, you know, word. And we, and we still can, you know, can communicate with God the way. Oh, and then one of the the other things too is this was something that I had said when we were discussing it was like when, um, you look at the old Testament and how God spoke to the prophets Mm -hmm. before and how the, the Holy Spirit was administered before is the same spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just given to fewer people, um, you know, the prophets and the patriarchs mm-hmm. or, you know, different people who, who needed it, you know, to com- complete God's purposes. And then if you look at how things with the spirit changed after, you know, Jesus died, the spirit was given more abundantly to more people you know, it mm-hmm. didn't necessarily change the way that it worked. It just was given more widely. So it would be kind of silly to assume that God would stop talking or that it would. <laughs> like yeah. That. And man, that's, that's how all of the scriptures came to be was not because God like hand wrote or like directly dictated to somebody. It's because people were actually see well and some you know in the history seeing the way people were running from God and the way people were running some were running to God but then especially like the psalms and the prophets they're like they were experiencing God because they would go to him they would go to him not just in the temple but in like the still small voice in the wilderness like they were actually going out yeah. and putting themselves before God and he He's so gracious and loving. He does want to talk to us, you know? Yeah. He wants to mm-hmm. speak with all of us. And it it's I, I think another thing is is people generally when you're in a group where it's like God told told me this, there are certain obviously like with anything, you're gonna have the people who are more like 
outspoken anyway are going to be the ones that are talking. And I know for a lot of people, a lot of genuine believers who also hear from God kind of fall into the trap of like comparing their relationship with the Lord with someone else's Mm -hmm. and thinking like, oh, why don't hear directly in the exact same way that this is being talked about? So is like the way I hear God invalid or is it like, and, and I think that, um, that that's another trip, you know, another thing that trips people up sometimes is like either on the one hand, Oh, well, I don't hear from God that way. So that means what you're saying isn't true because I don't hear that way. Or the flip side where it's like, maybe what I'm hearing isn't true because I don't hear in that specific exact way. And that's actually the, the first attack of the enemy that we ever see in the Bible is in Genesis three. When, when the snake, the serpent comes up to Eve and says, um, did God really say mm-hmm. that? Yeah. It's a questioning of your ability Our to ability hear. To hear yeah. It. So it's like, it's not a new strategy of the enemy to make us question that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the OG strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not, uh, another thing that we had in the notes was it's not an either or. It's not either like only scripture. Like I think one of the things that people feel a lot is it's like it's either only like you believe just what scripture says and nothing else or you're some crazy whack job that <laughs> like <laughs> that manipulates people, you know, just, you know, and, you know, hears voices in their head. <laughs> and and it's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to yeah. be like, uh, you know, it's about constant prayerful communication yeah. with God and a life it's, lived out in faith and guided yeah. by truth. And that that's the other thing too is that nothing that you hear from the spirit in truth will contradict scripture mm-hmm. or or be um at odds with scripture. Mm-hmm. Um and if you feel like you're hearing things that are <laughs> contradictory to scripture or at odds with scripture then that's a moment that you need to stop and pray and and really figure out, you know, who you're listening to. But um, but yeah, so really what when we talk about new revelation, what we mean is that like God is still talking to his people through his spirit and he's still communicating with us, not just through verses, you know, and like revelation through verses, but actually through prayer and through mm-hmm. yeah. direct communication yeah. with him, which is kind of always been a thing, you know, since the beginning of time. Yeah. The whole point of Jesus was not just for salvation. The Mm -hmm. whole point was that scripture says so that he could give us the spirit. Yeah. So that we could be one with each other and with him. Yeah. So it's like, it's the, there's, that was the end game the whole time was unity with him through the Holy spirit, through communication. Yeah. Just like a, a bride and her husband. I think I'm like speaking from personal thought and experience before I actually started operating this way and like listening to God's voice. I think one of the biggest things that I was afraid of was like the, all the stories of people that I had heard who had abused Mm -hmm. the idea of listening to Mm -hmm. God and like speaking to the people about it and, and, um, like acting like a mediator and, you know, telling people what to do and stuff. But, and, and so like, it seems like there can never be true unity or truth, you know, when, when you're in a situation like that, like, it's like, well, you know, I don't really, 
believe this or maybe it's true, but I just stay away from it because like, I don't want there to be chaos or mm-hmm. disunity. And, but, but I think one of the cool things is that since we have started operating this way, it's crazy to see in the hearts of those who are actually doing what they're doing out of genuine truth guided love for God, how much unity the spirit actually brings. Like it's actually more than there was before. Yeah. Like when we weren't listening to him and, and, uh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's cool. Cause like, it feels like it's a scary thing. Um, at first when you're used to like everything being pretty controlled and orderly, like outside of the spirit's leadership. But when you actually step into that and, you know, you have a team or a body of believers who are, um, you know, firstly united in, in their desire and devotion to God, uh, for God, um, then, like the spirit provides the unity there, you know, and that's, that's, yeah. nuts. that's it's pretty actually, crazy. It's actually because when you, it's, if you choose to trust the Holy spirit and listen to the Holy spirit to bring a divided view back to unity through prayer, if you just stop and say, let's pray and listen. And instead of debating it out, it actually is way more efficient. Yeah. And, and you know, it's the Holy spirit like, you don't have to work through the debate of it that way. In fact, like Colossians 2.8, um, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Mm-hmm. So that that idea of, um, there's another one here that's really cool. It talks about how, um, like, one of the one of the reasons you know something's, like, there's a false teaching is that they argue about words and mm-hmm. so dissension. So it's like, wow, argue about words. It is really like in talking about God and trying to get at the truth he is, of who he is and what he wants. Like we can talk ourselves into divisiveness because we're arguing about words and using human philosophy to get at a spiritual truth. Yeah. And so basically if we actually trust that the Holy Spirit's job is to bring us to unity, then we can actually go to him in prayer, listen, and he'll tell everybody what we need to hear for our own hearts to bring our hearts to peace together. Yeah. Which is really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Actually, that way you're just saying there too reminds me of in your podcast, uh, Beloved, how you, you were talking specifically about how like God uses the, the weak and the foolish to shame the wise um, and how, how it's so expected and culturally appropriate to to come at things from like a very like academic or or philosophical like point of attack mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or no or maybe argument. yeah i don't mean attack like yeah. in a in a negative way i just mean like a, a viewpoint yeah 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 and it like stronger. yeah constructing right. like a very you know with rhetoric and and all of those different things but the what the actual wiser thing to do is is to listen to the voice of the spirit in prayer and 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 in scripture too Mm -hmm. (laughs) because well that's the other thing too is there actually are a lot of times where the spirit does speak through scripture Mm -hmm. and ancient prophecy and poetry and Mm -hmm. and oh man okay first timothy um first timothy six three through five If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. 
he has an unhealthy craving for controversy <laughs> and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Yeah. So, like, Dang. it's the motivation. Well, no, that's exactly what I was saying before. Exactly. Like, it, yeah. it has everything to do with why you're seeking the voice of the Lord. Yeah. Because if you're seeking the voice of the Lord for selfish reasons, you're not, you're going to hear other things, you know, mixed in there. Cause we all hear lies of the enemy too. You know, mm-hmm. he's always trying to, to attack us. Um, but, but when your desire is rooted in your love for God and your desire for him truly, you know, which takes, I think also it's easy for everyone to say, Oh yeah, that's where my desire is. Mm-hmm. But I think that takes a lot personally. I know with myself that's taken more like digging out to like really say, Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Some of my intentions aren't right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, Here's this ugly, I need to, ugly thing that yeah, you don't it takes a lot of this. intentional soul searching. It's not super fun. Well, yeah. <laughs> and the Holy spirit does that too. So yep. it's like, he'll bring something up and he's really kind to us. Like he doesn't bring it all up at once. Thank God. Like, seriously, but like when he brings something up, we don't want to look at it at first. We're like, oh, that's selfishness in you. And you're like, I'm not a selfish person. Like it hurts our feelings and also makes us feel guilty because we know we're not supposed to be selfish. So yeah. it like brings us back to the truth that we really are in our flesh, like still struggling with sin, which we don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And so instead of facing the disappointment of that and repenting, a lot of times pride comes up in us and we resist the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. And, um, but if we're actually humble and hear him correcting us and yield to that correction, we can stay united. Yeah. So it's just a matter of like realizing that we actually, if we have those motivations in us, mm-hmm. we want God to bring them up so that yeah. we can heal them. Yeah. I feel like it's also really important. Just, this is just a side thing. We didn't have, we weren't planning on talking about this, but like, distinct making a distinction between self-condemnation and conviction and because i've experienced a lot of this recently (laughs) but but the i would say a practical way to make a distinction between self-condemnation and and uh conviction is that conviction stings it's painful and it hurts but self-condemnation just makes you depressed Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. just, it yeah. just, it's right. literally, it's only purpose is to beat you down. Yeah. And there is a very like distinct feeling that's different, you know, between the two. And, and there's identify it. Paul says that godly grief re- leads to repentance, which leads you to eternal life. And, but like the grief of the world just brings death. Yeah. And I think that goes with what you're saying is like how I, I've seen that so much in my own life where the distinct difference is I'll feel sad either way. Like yep. if I've realized yeah. that I've sinned or I've, I'll feel sad either way. But the difference being like on the one, on the godly grief side, when I can even in that moment get up literally or proverbially and say, you know what? I am turning to Christ now. Like I'm yeah. going to do whatever it takes, even if it means I just lay on my stomach for, you know, 30 minutes mm-hmm. versus when I don't get up. And I'm just like wallowing in my, mm-hmm. yep. on my bed or like in my car, like, oh gosh, I wish I hadn't done this and this and this. Yeah, you and, beat yourself up. And yeah. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> well, I feel like also there's like a dullness to 
the feeling, like the pain that self condemnation brings. Right. Like it's like a dark, mm-hmm. dull. Not accomplishing anything. Right. I, and but when you yeah. feel conviction, like, oh man, it hurts. Like <laughs> it, yeah. it really stings. Like it makes you feel like oh, it's like good. you can feel it in your yeah. chest. <laughs> you it is. It, it is good. good. But like it's you can feel that it's like it's a changing pain. Like it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. It's not just good. like a dull, like, dead kind of like. Yeah. I you know. with what. We were saying just a few minutes ago about um, like trusting God to you know lead you and speak and I this is this might be one of those times where I'm like putting what what God's been laying on my heart into kind of like trying to fit it into something reworded or mm-hmm. but what I've been thinking about so much this week is like there are three things that I want my life to be and I want the first thing to be love for Christ like always first and foremost love for Christ you know like the in Revelation when it's like go back to your first love like I always want my first thing to be love for Christ and want other people to love Christ so that means like you know if I'm reading scripture if I'm listening to music or I'm praying or I'm listening or I'm you know talking to someone um, or I'm working like I want first and foremost my love to be for Christ first and then I, I want I, man, I pray for it so much lately. Like I want some, some semblance of like some small beginning of humility in my heart. Like I want love for Christ and a, you know, even just the beginnings of humility. And I want simplicity of, of heart. Like, and I mean, like I was telling you about those high school guys that encouraged me so much, like back home, they, like they have a love for Christ and a simplicity of faith that goes beyond like, simplicity of faith all the way down to it doesn't matter where I am or who I'm with. It like doesn't matter if, if I'm at, you know, passion with 55,000 other college students, or if I'm in like someone's basement somewhere with no instruments, like I just (laughs) want to worship him and it doesn't matter, you know, like I want it to be that kind of simplicity of heart. Yeah. And and love the Lord your God with all of your heart yeah. and soul, mind, and strength. And thinking about when we come before Scripture, and and that's another thing too is like, if you want to really begin to hear the Spirit more and more, like put yourself in in the light, you know, yeah. like read Scripture and and a lot, yeah. <laughs> and pray a lot, and love people a lot, and he when you gratify the desires of the Spirit, like you're keeping in step with the Spirit, and He starts to like. Yeah. lead you with things but but um and i think also seek to know the heart of god mm-hmm. like intentionally yeah. like and when i say seek to know the heart of god that's i feel like that can be like a trigger phrase to people just being like yeah like and that not actually hearing what that yeah. means but when i when i say that what i mean is like like you would seek to know the heart of your friend yeah. like you would seek to get to know someone on a deeper level yeah. and you know Oh, like you can say about your best friend or your spouse or your, you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend, like, oh, I know their favorite place to eat. I know like, yeah. all these things are, I know, or, and then you get to the the deeper level where you can just, you can expect how they're going to react to things and you can't really yeah. put words around why right. that yeah. is, but you just you know. Just know that. Or, yeah, exactly. You can, you can through scripture and through the spirit and through prayer, you can get to know God that way. Yeah. You know, maybe not fully because God is, you know, infinite, <laughs> but but at the same I, time, you know, that's, that's the goal. And that's what we, you know, we want to desire that. And when you yeah. desire that and seek after that, that's when you start to, you know, yeah. keep in step with the spirit and, and hear his voice and be able to recognize his voice among yeah. the voices of the world too. I, do you guys ever have those moments where you like, 
It's almost like you pay attention to the way someone looks for the first time. I don't know if that's a weird thing to say. But, like, when I go home sometimes or even see, like, extended family members that I only see once a year, Mm. it's, like, sometimes I'll just stop and, like, while everybody else is doing stuff and look at them. It's, like, for some reason I feel like I've just never paid attention to really what they looked like. Like, they were always in my life and they were my family members and they were in pictures and... Yeah. But, but like... Now looking at them and thinking, well, this is an individual person that isn't just my cousin. Like this is, but even thinking with, it happens a lot with my dad actually. Now I'll, sometimes I'll look at him and just think like, just, I don't know. There's, and it goes beyond words. And then, but with your, your spouse too, like I, it, it goes beyond, you know, Kelela and I know more about each other than anyone else does. And even beyond, like, we've had experiences together that no one else has. But even into, like, when I look at her face, sometimes I can just look at her. Mm. And, like, there's something so, like, close about that. And it makes me think of Paul saying, like, we have had the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus shine on us, shine on our hearts. And that's, like, when you're seeking his face, like, you know, who he is and what he's like, Man, it like you're saying, that's all of us it's like a little kid. It's like all yeah. of a sudden you're like taking steps towards well, him. It's <laughs> funny too because I when you when you or you Peter were talking about not caring about <laughs> where you are or what kind of music or you know, any yeah. of these things, just seeking to love God first. Like, you know, like go out of out of your way like you would go out of your way to love a friend. Like, you know, sometimes you do things you don't want to do. But as you do that with God and you start to see like his priorities and like what he finds beautiful. Like he starts to take the things that like, like maybe you're, you know, going to a place, a different kind of church or a different gathering or something like that for the first time. And you get different kind of church. I'm getting hung up on the fact I said that. What I mean, like a different, <laughs> a different body, not a different kind of church. The church is like, people, just, but yeah. you know what I mean? Just a yeah. different, a different maybe, setting. Yeah. yeah. Um, with different music or, you know, something like that. And you feel like that's like a laying down of like, well, I really like to worship to this music because this Uh really gets me going. But like when you seek God's heart and you start to learn more about him that way and, and learn more about who he is and what he cares about, he starts to show you just how little those things matter. And (laughs) the closer and closer you get to him, you don't even care anymore. Like it's (laughs) it's like like kids, um, like just to like, you know, when you have a kid like Harris, it reminded me when you said like learning to walk, um, because when you're teaching a baby to walk, like if they, what their tendency is to look at their feet and every time mm-hmm. they look at their feet, they fall down. Mm-hmm. But if you can say, Hey, look at me and like, you can get their eyes on you. Then literally they, yeah. they walk towards you with complete confidence That's so cool. because That's they cool. actually see that you're going to catch them if they fall and like, you're going to come to them. So it's like, by just like eyes fixed on God, which is that's in scripture, right? And, Their eyes yeah. fixed on him. Yeah. Like it's a matter Dang. of turning our attention. And that's so simple to, yeah. to put it into like listening to the Holy Spirit. The thing that a parent, you know, does is, you know, for months, I assume <laughs> for months, you're like helping them get up, you know, lean up onto mm-hmm. like small objects or yeah. use like toys or you're holding their hand like. Mm-hmm. basically doing the walking for them but then for them to learn how to walk mm-hmm. yeah you have to like 
maybe help them get up, maybe, yeah. or just like encourage them and step back a few steps yep. so they can come to you. Yeah. And if, as you grow, like that's the more God does that with us is like helping, teaching us to like rely faith. on him and walk by faith. And then his spirit like mm-hmm. leads us. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah that is cool. Also that doesn't stop when they learn how to walk either. Because right. I have four children. So What's crazy to me is that I can yell. I can talk for like 10 minutes and I can tell them something. They will not hear me because they're just in their own worlds. But Mm -hmm. if I actually stop and say, hey, I want everybody to look at me, Mm. then I talk. I only have to say one sentence and they go do it immediately. That's really cool. It is crazy. Like what our our dudes (laughs) says. Just the power of getting their eyes. (laughs) Yeah. This actually, before we get back on track, because... We do have other stuff we want to talk about too, but uh, this reminds me too, because going back to not caring about what kind of music or where you are, that kind of thing, because you you fo- you have your eyes focused on your father, like instead of your feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this goes back to in my senior year at Liberty. At, well, let me preface this. The, I recently wrote an article on the blog called, it was the first article in a leadership series, and it was about worship leadership. And one, I made some really, really big statements about, you know, the way we do things and the way we teach worship doctrine and whatnot being not so great. Um, but one of the, in my senior year, in one of the capstone classes for the worship program, uh, we were learning about um, how, you know, having bad mistakes in the music or you know, being prepared is really important because if you make mistakes in the music or something goes wrong in the service, it's super distracting. Yeah. <laughs> And like people will be upset about it. And I, I remember, and I raised my hand in class and I said this out loud, but I was like, I really don't think that that's a problem of, you know, how good the music is or you making a mistake. I think that's a problem of, of the congregation not understanding what we're here to do, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and the fix for that isn't, you know, making your music program better. The fix for that is discipling your congregation. (laughs) And the fix for that is, you know, getting people to stop looking at their feet and start looking at the face of God. Mm -hmm. And, and when that happens, it doesn't matter anymore because we're there to worship and we're there to love God. And, and, you know, the little mistakes and the inconveniences, you know, that are, they're not inconveniences to God. They're inconveniences to the things that we find beautiful in our flesh. And that actually does connect back to the, oh, what were you going to say? Oh, no. Um, I was actually thinking that really connects back to false teaching and Mm. how it's okay to be led by the spirit into, into whatever the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is leading us into because false teachers is it's always from a false source yeah and it's always like okay um even okay so false false teaching and false prophecy um i always think of it as from what i see in scripture there are different kinds like one is just an incomplete understanding of scripture and of the things of the mm, of jesus like, yeah. and the things of the spirit mm. so people are teaching before they really have a complete understanding of it um, leading to false teaching. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's like deceived people who are actually listening to teachings of demons. So they're not necessarily malicious. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah. deceived. Yep. And then you have like the malicious sure. out yeah. for their own gain. Yeah. False teachers intentionally trying to steal people away. Um, and there's so different a, ways to deal with, yeah. with those yeah. according to scripture. And yeah. this is, this is just for everyone listening. We're kind of circling around back to yeah. like, so if, if we are supposed to be 
listening to the spirit, you know, in our churches and, and these things like we were talking about being scared of before, how are we going to avoid, you know, these crazy, you know, mm-hmm. cult leaders and, and false teachers yeah. and false doctrines. And so Catherine's going to talk about this. Can I put yeah. forth oh, a, yeah. uh, I, in my head, it's a question. It might not end up being a question, but, um, I was just thinking about it when, when Paul and when Jesus talks about people, wolves that will come in sheep's clothing or, um, like false teachers that they, you will know a tree by its fruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's a, a huge problem for us. It's not a question anymore. I'm just going to make a statement. Mm-hmm. A huge problem for us in our day and age is like those false teachers then were people who were actually going around to congregations or just like near congregations talking. So these are people that you can at some level see their lives. Yeah. But then today, like a lot of, at least people who are accused of being false mm-hmm. teachers at, at the least are people who, whose clips are online. Right. And it's like, yeah. and there's the, the, the two, so right. It's the so two definitely. sides of it is like one, you can hear someone in a two minute clip, totally taken out of context, not know what the fruit of their life is like, and not even know what else was being said, except for that little clip yeah. and, you know, make a judgment on it then. But then also you can hear great and amazing things from mm-hmm. people and you can see on an outward level, yeah. like it looks like good fruit, mm-hmm. But you have no idea what, and I think that yeah. that's the, I think this is part of what, I don't know if you would qualify it as this, but what your heart is for, Catherine, is like, that is a huge problem of, of the bigger and bigger a single congregation is. Oh, yeah. The less and less that person is a shepherd to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if, he, if he doesn't know your name, like, yeah. there's an issue. And so part of, part of the, like, you know, discerning false teachers and false prophets is like you guys got to be close like your lives oh, have yeah. to, like everyone's lives need well, to start coming together and like I, that's know? funny that you say that too i'm sorry Catherine, we're putting <laughs> off the starting in this for a little bit but no, I'm but actually if you think about it that way too and like the bigger and bigger situation and the the institutional organizational church it's unhealthy for the men in the pulpit too or the right. woman in the public yep. because it's so isolating. well yep. yeah because and you know if you're if you really do have the spiritual gift of shepherding or you're you're a pastor or a prophet or or apostle you're not you know because of the size and because of the structure and organization of it you can't you know you can't have sometimes you can't even have a small group of mm-hmm. of people because you know everyone's so you know looking up to you and and it becomes like almost like this minor uh fame thing where Mm -hmm. you have to keep your life super private just to have peace. And, and like, that's so unhealthy for the pastor because you don't have Moses. Exactly. (laughs) You need an Aaron. You need, (laughs) you need a, a, you know, people to, to walk with you and well, because you, you, it leads to, it's the same principle as worship leadership. Like don't make a mistake or you'll make God look bad. Yeah. And really that's mm, arrogance. Yeah. yeah. Oh like, yeah. Because, but it is such a real thing for leaders that are on this, on the platform because, um, you feel like if you fail, you'll destroy everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like if you fail, you will actually like mess up everyone else's faith. So it makes, it makes it so that your sin has to be private. Yeah. And when sin is private and hidden, it just grows into mm-hmm. worse yeah. and worse yeah. things. Yeah. And, you end and up, the irony you is like you're trying people. to protect your people. 
But what they need most is for you to openly say, right, this is what's happening or this is where I'm at right now. And that was one of the things that I talked about in the articles. Another one of the big things that I was taught was worship's not about you. So, you know, maybe you go to lead worship on a Sunday and you're feeling down. Uh, but you know, uh, yeah. and then I don't know if you it's guys like are this, but like, maybe there's a mom, <laughs> there's a mom out there in the congregation who had to put screaming kids in the car and you know, she's really stressed out. She had an argument with her husband and she needs to see a smile on your face in the morning to be uplifted. And so, you know, it doesn't matter. How, like, this yeah. is about, this is about ministering to the, the congregation. And, and the truth is, is that like, if you, and this was my biggest kick was, you look at the biblical worshipers, and that is not the no. case. No. Not at all. You you see David. I love David as an example of this because he went to both extremes. Mm-hmm. There were times where he was dancing mm-hmm. and, and being ridiculous in front of his people who wanted him to be – or his wife, I guess, who wanted him to be you know, more dignified – and and then you see him, you know, put on sackcloth mm-hmm. and and be and in I think he did that in front of the people too at, yeah. at some point mm-hmm. too. So that's I mean, I part of worship leadership and, and Catherine and I would probably also talk about you know it's also important to hear God's heart as a worship leader for the group, mm-hmm. but but part of being a leader in general I think and I'm going to get to this in later articles too, but specifically worship leader is being able to tell where your heart is. And being honest, right. like yeah. and open, a wholly honest and open, and in worship and, and in leadership, and I think that is a hundred times more valuable than you know, really striving to try and encourage someone with a fake smile right. or with a you know or a forced smile at least you know, and it's it's yeah, it's right. just kind of flipping around at values. But it's actually really, that, what you just said, is really core to avoiding false prophecy and false teaching. Yeah, let's get to that now. No, I am, because (laughs) it actually is super connected. Okay. Because whenever you lose that source, whenever you start sourcing your affirmation from people rather than from God, Mm -hmm. then you are automatically going to be operating from a false source of love, and a false source means false fruit. Yeah. So like false teaching and false fruit. So it's just, it's funny to me that like, um, in sometimes in our attempt to please God, because I truly believe that a lot of false teachers and false prophets are trying really hard mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. to serve God, but in their attempt, the deceived ones, yeah, the yeah. deceived ones. Um, and, and even I think it gets like scripture, whereas it? it says that it gets worse and worse. Um, okay. So, um, looking at first Timothy four, one through three, Um, it says that the spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. So thinking about it as a keep, keep going verse two through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. So what the reason why I think sincerity is so important Mm. in worship and any kind of leadership um, is that an honesty is mm-hmm. that insincerity and lying is actually a doorway into demonic Dang. teaching. Yeah. And I think that's actually the, the main, I mean, if you, again, look at the tactics of the enemy in Genesis yeah. three, yeah. he lays out his entire strategy. Yeah. That's why I, I used to hear professors and different and older people say, man, you, 
you know, it's a strength and a weakness that your generation really seeks like, you know, authenticity and like, that's like, like, that's good too. But like, there are other things like discipline and things that are important. Discipline is important. I'm not downplaying (laughs) discipline. I'm just, I'm just repeating what people have said, but Mm -hmm. you know, talking in this manner, like sincerity and authenticity are more than just important. They're literally bedrock principles, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, it's crazy to me that I've heard people say things like that. You know, people in in teaching positions, you know, and in positions of spiritual guidance and leadership say things like, you know, it's it's kind of good that you guys, you know, really want authenticity, but you know, it's it's also not very good to like. I'm like, well, well it's scary. <laughs> yeah, because they're, what they're saying is that you risk losing the respect of the congregation it's pressure because you're worried about failing. Once you, once you take the fear out of it and you are, you commit to live honestly before the Lord and before people, the fear Mm -hmm. goes away. It's scary. But Mm -hmm. once you actually say, no, this is what God wants. And you live, you, you confess and you repent uh and you do that with people and in front of community and you walk through those things. Like there's freedom there where you can walk in, in truth and actually it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And really quickly, just to plug this too, that the reason that it's scary is because the congregation needs to be discipled and taught Mm -hmm. and about these things and it hasn't happened. So, so they're still, they're still looking at their feet and your feet Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, they're making criticisms about, you know, the way that we're trying to walk when really we're all supposed to be looking up at the face of God. Well, you know, what's funny is like my experience on several occasions is like, almost succumbing to the like fear of uh, why I don't want to, I at least don't want to say this out loud Mm -hmm. or express this out loud in front of people. Always though, always it's in part my underestimate, underestimating where people are at because like Mm. it's, those are the times when people like want to sit down and talk to you after Mm -hmm. either to confess something themselves or to like pray with you or to just tell you like, man, I needed you to say something like that today. And then also like to see Jesus's heart for an honest and he, he came to look for people. What does he say? He says he came to like, uh, or he's here. I'll say this, that he, he says there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. And obviously he meant people who like consider themselves like <laughs> beyond repentance like they yeah. don't need it anymore he loves honesty and, right and his too. brother james says that like do you want to be healed yeah confess and pray to, with one another yeah. <laughs> which is why this like the and this is another actually maybe i can make this another making changes article too but the american value like leadership value system is really backwards you know like in that respect in that like we have to be you know, flawless mm-hmm. in order to be a good leader, you know, like the best leader, yeah. because you know, that, that's if, not, if you want to be the best, <laughs> if you want to be the, the best leader that, that God like can use and wants to use, like get on your face, yeah. <laughs> like before others, you know, like confess your sins, ask God for his healing. Yeah. And like, and listen to him. Yeah. And he, that is the heart he loves to pour into Yeah, like an emptied yeah. heart. David. Think of David. Yeah. King David. 
Man, I, there's so many good biblical examples of this. <laughs> yeah, because actually it's counterintuitive, but confession is actually the doorway to grace. Mm-hmm. Like you think it's yeah. going to lead to condemnation and exposure, yeah. but the actual exposure of your heart allows for grace to pour in. Yep. And it's the same reason we hate when politicians or like like leaders in our nation get mm-hmm. exposed because what gets exposed is the culmination of this concept yep. that you have to be perfect as a leader. And Dang. if people would just confess early and keep this keep yep. open early, yep. earlier, then we would all be able to walk free knowing that we're not perfect, but God is gracious. This reminds me, I've talked about this so much recently because it was such an encouraging story to me, but I've been reading the teachings of the Desert Fathers who were uh, really, really early I think like fourth century monks, monks uh, before monks were a thing, even <laughs> Christian monks. And um, there were Christian ascetics, I, I think would be easier to categorize. But it was a story about this young monk who was living with an older hermit and learning from him. And he had been like tempted and overcome with temptation to steal bread like every time they ate and hide it and eat it later. And he felt so guilty about it for so long. Mm -hmm. And then one day these outsiders came to visit them to hear from the hermit. And the hermit was teaching them saying like, one of the things that Satan loves is when, uh, someone doesn't reveal their thoughts to their spiritual father and like keeps them hidden. And, and the monk was listening to this and he was like, Oh no, God's revealed to him that I've been stealing this bread. (laughs) And he was like, so like overcome that he, he took the bread out and he threw himself on the ground and he was all like, oh, Father, please forgive me and, and pray for me that I can be healed from this and, you know, all these things. And the the hermit said to him, "In uh, you don't need my prayers to, to save you and, and to, to heal you from this. In confessing and revealing yeah. these hidden things, you have thrown the demon out into the light and mm-hmm. killed it. Yeah. Yeah. And so our confession <laughs> is like so huge like outward confession to other people and being honest yeah because they and i really like believe like the demons and the spirits and and like our flesh and whatever like the it claws and claws Mm -hmm. against us to try and keep Mm -hmm. us quiet Mm -hmm. yeah you know to try and keep that stronghold because as long as we're quiet about it like you know we can't expose it and and kill it and Yeah. And it is true that it is it there's wisdom that needs to be operated in um mm. like not to not to back that up at all because that intensity and that fervency has to be there of being honest. Yeah. But who you're honest with is also important. Yeah. yeah. Because there are a lot of people that call themselves Christians that who you're honest with about specific things. Yeah. yeah. Because there are a lot of people that if you throw it out in front of everybody it will be like pearls before swine. Mm-hmm. They will they will yeah kill you they will yeah. they will tear you down which is another reason yeah. why again your congregation needs to be discipled in these things exactly. and and those who won't like it won't like it and they'll leave and that's yeah. it well that's that's a whole other rabbit trail yeah. but let's let's get back on track to what well, we we're it's talking connected about so. because second timothy three thirteen says while evil people and imposters imposter think about an imposter it's someone who who is different on the inside than they are on the outside Evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, mm. deceiving and being deceived. Mm. So it's this cycle that when you deceive people by being an imposter and not being mm. honest, <laughs> then you're going to be a deceiver. Like there's a connection and there, and you're going to go from bad to worse. Mm. And pretty soon you're going to become malicious in your deception mm. because your goal is to protect yourself yeah. and not 
actually God is completely out of the picture at that point. So a lot of the things that we're seeing in scandal in, you know, when we see men of God fall, it's a result of that hidden thing. And that's why we can be confident in the leadership of the spirit, because we know that the Holy Spirit searches and knows all things, even the deep things of God and our hearts. And so that's why it's safe to ask him, God, please reveal to us what you want to show us now, both in our own hearts and in our communities, because that's actually the safest place to be. And if we're not doing that as a community, then it's not like we're protecting ourselves from false teaching and false prophets. They're already there. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what yeah. we need is more of the Holy Spirit's leadership, yeah, more prophecy, go. more hearing from him so that we can actually yeah. call out the demonic teachings, the yeah. false teachings, even just the misguided and or restore, people. restore the deceived ones, too, yeah. which is a huge thing. I think that, Catherine, you talked about this when we talked about it before, but we need to like not just run away and push those people away, but the ones that are deceived, not the ones that are malicious, but, but like actually, you know, seek their hearts like God does Mm -hmm. with truth and with love and restore them to their right, you know, truth. And And like what you said about training and teaching our congregations, and this is probably the last thing I have to say on this, but the, it goes back to how Priscilla and Aquila actually corrected Apollos Mm -hmm. in Acts because he had an incomplete understanding of, of the, the Holy Spirit, actually. He, it says he knew everything about the teachings of Jesus, Mm -hmm. had a great understanding of who Jesus was, but he only taught the the um, baptism of John. <laughs> and Paul noticed that in Acts 19 when he meets the, the Ephesian Christians. He's like, who's, who's been talking to you? Oh, Apollos yeah. has been here. Oh, well, you've never heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. No, we heard of the baptism of John. So that correction and that Priscilla and Achilla gave to Apollos was a gentle correction. Right. Yeah. They took him aside. And by doing and they that, encouraged him exactly. to, to continue teaching, yeah. which is super huge. Cause I think one of the big things is when like, we'll like beat some, a deceived person over the head, you know, who's been teaching something wrong and then be like, you know, you sit down, you sit down. But what, what we should be doing is taking them aside, you know, giving them truth, you know, helping them figure things out and then encouraging them to go teach the right thing, you know, and <laughs> yeah. go. And that, I think that's, I don't know. That's, because once that's you, a good way to And here's what you were saying about like, don't underestimate where the people in your community are. At. Yeah. Because if everybody's walking in the spirit, eyes on God, they're not these like poor, uneducated mm-hmm. people that yeah. don't, that can't tell. Yeah. If everyone knows it's <laughs> their job to discern, to have discernment and to discern, um, then, then you shouldn't just be passively listening to a sermon. You shouldn't be just yeah. passively accepting what your leaders say is true. You should be constantly listening to the Holy Spirit and weighing it out according to scripture. Yeah. Like, what is this? And where's the source of this? Even for your best friends, yeah, yeah, because your best friends could be not in a great place, and the Holy Spirit will show you if that's like coming from a place that's not great. You can gently correct that before it turns into a huge, terrible thing. And this, this is a great segue into the next thing that I want to talk about because, and to to like kind of put a bow on this too. Um, you, it's not the seminary degree that qualifies someone to teach. It's not the hours that they've spent in a classroom or do writing papers or doing research. It's the time spent 
listening to the spirit, studying scripture and praying and, and learning straight from God that actually qualifies someone to teach. And you don't need to go to school for that. You, you, you know, you can, I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't Mm -hmm. school, school can definitely be helpful and it definitely puts people in a position where they're encouraged to Mm -hmm. do those things. I'm sure. Well, I, well, that's actually kind of a different discussion, but, but what, what, what I'm saying is there are people who are, who will be given, you know, a gift of, of teaching and, and wisdom and knowledge, you know, from the spirit directly just like the apostles were and just like mm-hmm. the, the people in the first church were. And what this is segueing into is what I wanted to talk about, how like characterizing then like the simplicity of, of God's instruction, because I think I talked about it a little bit last time, but I wanted to like really talk about how like the, the culture now is to really hyper-focus on like this idea of living in the world, not of it. But we really heavily, like I think probably because of, I don't know. There must have been this must have been a backlash against something. Yeah. But like, there's this huge focus on the living in the world part. It's like, yeah. yeah well, we still have to live in the world. So you know, like I've had so many people emphasize that to me, and I'm not sure you know what that's connected to. But but we expect because of this this culture, we expect God to work in the confines of cultural expression, mm-hmm. and and this is. Like, it's really funny because, like, people. Well, it's not funny. I I don't mean to like make light of it. I don't I don't want people to think I'm making light of it because I'm not. But but because this is a big realization for some people. But like, a lot of people spend their whole lives thinking, okay, well, I need to get really really good at this because, you know, God's going to work through my dedicate my dedication to my natural gifts and, and I'll be able to like, when I get really good at this, I'll be able to give all the glory to God. And, and that's how God's going to work through me. And that's so not how it works. (laughs) Like, it's just not it. If you look at almost every biblical example, like the people that God uses to do the big things are specifically not qualified. And, and he does that purposefully and and the that that's not exact i think what i want to get at with the idea of the simplicity of god's uh, instructions is that they're not always like culturally tailored like it's not always like you know oh use this you know this form of cultural expression to do this like a lot of the the directions like specific practical directions that god gave moses and and everyone before and following after that listened to him and followed him were very simple Go talk to Pharaoh. Tell him, tell him this. Then leave. Go do this. And and it wasn't all like, go get really good at this, and then put this program together and do this, and mm-hmm. it's going to be really glorifying to me. Like that's not that's not the point. Like almost everything that God has told us to do has been deconstructive of of culture and and things that we build and make, and that hasn't changed. And that's still true for our ministry today in the, you know, the 21st century in 2020, like it's, it's not a game of going to school three times to get really, really good at something so that we can build something quality for God. Mm -hmm. Like that's a really unhealthy mixture of the American dream Mm -hmm. and our desire to, to see the kingdom grow. Um, what we need to be doing is listening to the spirit and his simple instructions and, and letting his power flow through us so that in our weakness, he can actually be glorified mm-hmm. in a way that makes the world go, 
whoa, yeah. like <laughs> that's real. Like, you know, it's, it's yeah. not just like us, but with a God sticker slapped on it, you know, it's. <laughs> yeah. So this is first John two and it's verse 24 and following. Um, as for you, see that what you've heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. (laughs) And now, dear children, continue in him, (laughs) so that when he appears... We may be confident and unashamed before yeah. him at his coming. Mm-hmm. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Yeah. We have this fear that if mm-hmm. things are not contextualized to the people group that we're, you know, in, in a specific way to the people group that we're trying to reach. And I think specifically in America, what that means is that's tied to excellence. It's tied to if things aren't sharp enough, then God won't be able to work because we're hindering him with our our lack of faithfulness to our, the developing of our natural gifts and things like that. That's not how it works. It's like a really backwards idea about how it works. The reality is that it doesn't matter. It's that God works in his own way, in his own time for his own glory. And the invitation is for us to be a part of God's work and plan instead of trying to share our ministry with God. Like it's like, it's for God, but it's also my brainchild and my baby. Like that's not how it's supposed to be, you know? And, and we feel really weird about that because it's not like directly sinful. It's not talked about as sinful necessarily to like be good at something. Cause it's not, mm-hmm. it's not sinful to be good at something, but we take that really far, you know? And we, and we say like, Oh, like this is the way God made me. So this must be mm-hmm. the truth of like how, you know, this is, this is the ultimate good. I need to, you know, build this huge this thing. This is what God made me Right. For. But right. I think we forget in that, that like we still have sinful desires mm-hmm. and fleshful desires and, and the things that can be good, you know, when surrendered to God can also be extremely bad and distracting and, and negative, you know, when we, we just seek the fulfillment of, you know, the things that we have passion for, um, outside of, outside of, you know, what God is calling us to. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We've been so excited to work on this podcast and share it with you guys. It's been a really fun project. Uh, We would also love to hear your feedback. Uh, In the meantime, while we're working on more episodes and more blog content. So uh, if you'd like to send us your feedback at thetravelingservant10 at gmail.com. That's our email. And you can also reach us through the contact portal on the blog site itself. uh, Which, if you'd like to check out our blog, it's at dcheart1.wixsite.com. Again, that's dcheart1.wixsite.com. Uh, Go check out our blog, read some of the articles. It's actually a lot of the articles go hand in hand with the podcast episodes. So it kind of fills in some gaps and stuff like that. Uh, But again, thank you so much for listening and until next time.